0: You're listening to Healthcare Now Radio. Stand by for this just in, the latest in healthcare innovation and technology trends with your HIT advisor, Justin Barnes. Thank you for tuning in and welcome to This Justin. I'm your host, Justin Barnes. In these half-hour segments, I'll bring you the latest advancements in healthcare, strategy, innovation, and public policy. As always, we're broadcasting from the This Justin Studios on the Business Radio X network as well as the Healthcare Now Radio Network. For this episode, though, we're speaking to a good longtime childhood friend, Lee Williams, Administrator of Business Systems, University of Virginia Health System. Welcome back to the show, Lee.
1: Thank you, Justin. I'm glad to be here.
0: Yeah, I think um, I tell this story and we tell this story now all the time, but literally you were on um, my Hymns radio show back in February uh, of this year and um, you thought you recognized me and recognized my name and then you walk on stage at Hymns and said, we're just about to go. We're actually kind of live on air. I just step back to shake my guest's hand whenever they come on um, and you literally said, are you Justin Barnes from Amherst High School? And you almost just knocked me over. I mean, I I literally almost fell over. Um, So, yes. That was uh, great. Yeah. Uh,
1: Well, credit to you for looking like you did in high school so that I could immediately (laughs) recognize you. So that was uh, amazing, though. And I remember the people saying, hey, we're recording. But um, it's not every day that you run into someone that you – used to know well and now are reconnecting in the healthcare IT space. So I think it's fantastic.
0: I do too. Uh, this is going to be, uh, you know, I can tell we're going to have lots of mutual collaboration certainly moving forward. We've already had them since him. So um, very, very cool. It's great to have you. So kind of having you back on air because you were actually on air. It was just about seven to, to eight minutes during him's radio. Um, but, uh, but I'm happy to have you back. So, so thanks again, Lee. Thank you. So you've just published a book. Mastering Physician Engagement, but is this your first book, your second book, or where are we in that spectrum?
1: This one is the first book, and it was a, a labor of love, came out of a lot of work with hymns and some of him's, uh, folks that were interested in some of the topics that we had been presenting on, and I wrote it with my co-author, Dr. John Showalter. Uh, really culminated from the time that we were together at the University of Mississippi Medical Center and some of the work that we did with the physicians there and after talking at a bunch of conferences on the same arc of information decided that there was enough to put together for a book so Mastering Physician Engagement came out this year we're really proud of it.
0: Yeah no it's it's great and I'm actually gonna ask you a question on page 85 you talk about the Hawthorne effect. What do you do? I'm just kidding, about? I'm not. I'm just kidding. Not gonna go that deep. Because <laughs> on page eighty-seven, <laughs> to grab my <laughs> exactly. Uh, now, so my show, we focus a lot on best practices. We try to have a good time, so obviously we're having a great time. But we, we, I like to focus on best practices and, and find out what's happening out there in the industry and make sure that if people are taking the thirty minutes to listen to the show. Um, that uh, that we always have a good bead. So what are you finding out there? I know that you, you know, you've been able to speak, you know, mastering position engagement. You've been speaking across different conferences. What's resonated with audiences, and, and what are people most in tune with? What are you finding? Oh, that's a
1: great question because we do cover a lot of ground in the book. But when I speak at the conferences, and these have been Revenue Cycle or in IT and at HIMSS and, It's been interesting to see that there are a couple of topics that people really coalesce around. I think they resonate with people who are trying to get things done in the healthcare IT space. And the first of those is where we treat the topic of how physicians learn. And it comes out of watching the frustration of folks who are doing any kind of IT work, where you're trying to train physicians or work with them on reimbursement issues or anything to do with finances it's sometimes difficult to get the clinicians to engage because they just aren't seeming to, to care. They don't, they're not showing up for the classes. Mm-hmm. Lots of stories about physicians not coming to the classroom for the training. And so the, the part where we talk about medical school and how physicians are trained to learn their medical work, it really creates A way of learning that is very specific to the discipline of of medical professionals and to doctors in particular and that has to do with being really hands-on so the physicians do a see one do one teach one methodology in medical school which of course for them lasts. you know you're doing an undergrad for four years and then you've got your medical school for another four years and then they do residency for another three four five to seven eight years of school so really a majority of most of the physicians' adult lives up to the time that they're 30 or 35, and they're taught in a very hands-on way where they are independent thinkers who have to see for themselves how to do things, and they want to actually do the workflow themselves. So if you can relate that to a surgery, and they'll, they'll watch and learn from books, but then they get good at it by actually practicing and doing the simulations and then doing things on actual patients, being with an attending who assists them, and when they get ready to go out into the world, they've had a lot of hands-on experience with it. So the idea of sitting in a classroom and having someone lecture at them is not really how they've been taught to learn. So the idea of being, you know, we all know about elbow support, but really focusing physician training in that elbow to elbow and working alongside them where they get to practice the workflow themselves much more effective. Um, And I hope we've helped a few implementations where they're uh, learning how to to work with the physicians to really use and adopt the technology much better than through a traditional classroom style learning. Um, So that's been one of the fun ones. And then the other one is just about communicating goals to stakeholders. Uh, how do you talk to clinicians about technology projects? Because have you ever tried to do that? You <sighs> get there with the physicians and yeah, can be frustrating, yes. right? Oh yeah. You are um, trying to tell them that this is this new workflow is going to be the best thing ever, and they don't really um, want to engage or take the time away from patient care. So the other piece of it is how do you communicate? goals for a an, an technology project or a revenue cycle or population health in a way that resonates with clinicians where they want to give their time and support and effort to the project. Um, so there's a whole detail around that and some good ideas for starting those conversations, figuring out what is working with that particular physician group mm-hmm. and then leveraging that connection to really push your project forward.
0: Now that's terrific. So. I guess you now taking all that great knowledge and what you're learning around best practices. How have you been able to bring that back in the University of Virginia? Like, what do you, you know, where are you, where are you bringing that back, and how are you bringing that information back in?
1: Yeah. So one of the things that I have the privilege of doing in my role here is to help with a lot of the initiations of technology projects. And so, for example, we're working on a new time and attendance program that has. For example, a mobile app allowing our nursing staff to swap shifts and to bring people on, and just a very much more use um, usable and um, familiar application rather than than some program that you have to log into at your healthcare desktop. So what I mean is that it it the app looks and feels like a shopping app or something that you would be using for your life. You know, if you're on Amazon or TripAdvisor or one of these things, and figuring out how to connect clinicians to the idea that we were bringing something that would make their workflow easier, um, we were able to to couch that in terms of getting their time back and being able to make it a seamless experience for them and really being sensitive about the benefit of what an individual nurse was going to get out of this technology project rather than our geeky way of saying, Mm -hmm. oh, this tech is really cool it's very modern, this is going to be, um, it's a new thing that just came out, we're all certified on it, we got it. So not speaking about it from a technology standpoint, but instead really flipping that around and how it benefits our users. So even from the outset of the project, employing those communications methods to explore with the nurses what was it about this app that resonated with them, and then picking up on those things, training my, my team to listen for what is exciting to the to the customers to the clinicians and then weaving that into our project plan so that we make sure that we keep their goals at the forefront and that project has been going very very well uh, with adoption on the clinician side when I think that a lot of the other programs that we've done in the past they just didn't get engaged on so I'm hopeful that this methodology has really helped with that particular product and it and it actually is delivering on the promise and the nurses are, are very happy with what they're getting and I think that's because we were able to help them understand what they were getting from their perspective and then deliver on that for them.
0: Yeah, I mean actually that's that's follow, that's following a best practice and concept that we've deployed just on the business you know and the business side. I mean just trying to make sure that our employees are well engaged and that we're all rowing in the same direction and that everything that we do is relevant to their, you know, daily workflow, their daily success. I mean, that's, that's the art of building a company yeah. even. It's just, you know, make sure yes. everybody knows what's, we're all stepping in this direction and your one piece is critical to this bigger pie. It's, it's then, and, and we're all moving in the same direction and that's how you really, you know, you can build billion dollar companies that, that way. And so I, I, I love it. I love how you, you engaged that process and mastered it. So yeah, thank you. Excellent. So, I guess looking beyond this book I mean you've just published this you're just getting out there you're doing speaking on it and I doing a radio show on it but um, have you looked past it are there is there another direction that you may go or um, some alignment <laughs> on how health healthcare is evolving do you think
1: yeah I love that question because I was um, if you asked my co-author I was not ready anytime anybody said what about another book or more I would just say too soon too yep. soon um, but then what hit me was that as I was talking about these concepts with, especially with my own team here at UVA, which is comprised of a a few dozen um, really smart IT professionals who are everything from engineers to scientists to analysts. And I saw the looks I was getting back about it where I realized that it wasn't so much, like they loved the tips and ideas like I just described around our, our time and attendance app. Um, to work with the clinicians, but I needed to get them engaged in the healthcare work. Mm -hmm. They had for so long been disconnected from it that they didn't really see how their work was marrying up to the needs of the business and then driving the business forward. Mm -hmm. And the idea that they could be the heroes of the clinicians Mm -hmm. and deliver technology that would help the business was not, I, I guess it was sort of fun and exciting to think about it that way because they were used to just plugging away and delivering what they were asked to do. And so the the idea for a next book, which is um, in its uh, start now, is about talking to IT people and revenue cycle people and data scientists and all of the folks that serve in that support capacity about healthcare and how we really need to understand the fundamentals of the healthcare environment so that we can have productive conversations with nurses when they talk about how scheduling is difficult, we need to understand how they're staffed and how they organize their time and how they deploy their teams and why licenses and certifications are required prerequisites for certain staffing slots, et cetera. If you don't understand the business, it's very difficult to hear and understand and, and make that connection with how the technology is gonna ha- help. And then really weaving that business and the IT strategy together so that you can communicate effectively back with your operational and your clinical folks. So this next step will look at helping IT people to connect with healthcare and really deeply understand how we as professionals can aid clinicians in giving the very best patient care, patient experience, and owning our part of that to feel like we're truly part of that clinical mission and that the success of sending a patient home healthier than when they came to us is not only the responsibility of the clinicians, but is also the responsibility of all of us who support the clinicians, and to really get excited and engaged on that. So it's the inverse. It is not uh, helping clinicians be excited about technology, it's helping the technology team be excited about the clinical work.
0: I love it. You're actually, that's the apex of where our healthcare system is going, how it's shifting. Mm -hmm. That's exactly the clinically integrated or just integrated healthcare system that we need to have. I mean, I've always said when working near and dear, my heart is administrative business and clinical processes need to be fully integrated. Um, Our our customer, I mean, our customers, our patients deserve it. They are our customers. Um, Our clinicians (laughs) deserve it. Our administrators deserve it. Our country deserves it. Our, us as taxpayers pay the bill for healthcare costs in this country. People don't realize that Medicare, we as taxpayers pay that bill. It's no one else. It's not the government, it's us. And we deserve to have the integrated system. And I love how you um, create that inverse strategy um, from where you are right now with your book. So,
1: Yeah, and it's amazing when you see it work because you're exactly right that we have this grand responsibility to mm-hmm. do the best work that we can in healthcare. And when you can see the clinicians respecting and engaging in the technical work and the technical, the revenue cycle, the population health, the data science folks, also understanding how they're aiding in that clinical care and becoming a part of that care team, really fantastic work can happen. And that's, I think, a challenge of where we are today. We need to have really fantastic work happening all over the place.
0: Yep, yeah. And and I think even on the innovation side, we we captured that some of the most highly paid people inside of organizations are data scientists. You wouldn't probably necessarily think that, but they're, they're they're on the data side. They're not on the clinical side. They're true data scientists but yet, they're invaluable to us as, as innovators and us as companies, but also as, as organizations. You, you know that from your perspective. So, you know, I, I love the direction that you're going. It's so spot on.
1: Yes. Well, thank you.
0: So another thing that we're going to talk about here is something near and dear to my heart. I was very fortunate to be able to um, be a co-host and, and co-creator of this Health Innovation Summit slash Think Tank. Um, that we pulled together uh, the other week, um, and you are certainly a part of it. You're a very key part of it. You're one of the catalysts, quote-unquote, um, that I called them. And I think for, for my audience, you're going to start to hear more of this. We're actually going to do a couple of shows on the, on the Summit and Think Tank coming up. We're going to have more events actually uh, coming this fall and, and even um, in the HIMSS 18 around this Summit and Think Tank. But really, we, we brought together 40 to 50 of the, the global thought leaders on the clinical side, on the business side, the financial administrative, um, we brought in health institutions and, and healthcare centers. Uh, we brought in innovators. We brought in policymakers, other thought leaders and key stakeholders from across the country, but also globally. So it was, it was a great collection of minds, uh, and again, that's why we're going to keep it going on. In and, and our day, we focused on value-based care as one of our tracks. We focused on connected health as our middle track, and our final track with virtual care. So three really big concepts, not just here in America and how our health, American healthcare system is evolving, but globally, how we're evolving um, as, a, as a global society and, and how we need to bring this together. And you guys, you and, I, you and I have been talking already for a while on how we need to integrate a lot of these approaches. So those are the three topics. Um, but because we were all thought leaders that were in the room, I didn't have any panels. We had catalysts. We had discussion catalysts because everybody in the room participated. And we've had a lot of cool takeaways from that. We're going to be publishing a lot more of that, that strong content, really best practices on how to engage value-based care and and be successful with it, how to engage connected health and be successful with it, how to engage virtual care uh, and be successful with it in virtual care beyond just telehealth or telemedicine. So um, first of all, thank you, Lee, for for traveling down and and being part of that event Uh, that was held in Raleigh. Um, but, uh, but what are some of the big, you know, big takeaways or favorite takeaways, um, that you got from that, uh, from that event, that think tank?
1: I love how you just described it because that room full of 40 to 50 thought leaders, that was such a joy for me to participate in because everyone knew the basics. We Mm -hmm. were able to have some really great conversations at a high level that I don't often get to engage with folks that want to talk about healthcare, IT, and uh, value-based care, and all of the ways that we're leveraging technology to move forward in the different areas that you talked about. It was really an amazing experience to hear from a variety of folks who had exciting work going on, um, just really impressed all day long with what people had to say. and. A big hat tip to my friend Jeff Coughlin from HIMSS who yep. talked to us through some of the legislative changes and what's on the landscape, and that's yeoman's work for him to keep up with what's going on right now. And um, I really enjoy listening to his briefings and help having his help to distill what's going on. So a greater understanding of what's happening in healthcare really right now from a level that is not what you get on the front page of the newspaper, but really from some folks that understand deeply how healthcare works, that was uh, phenomenal for me to participate in. And I have to say that the work that Neil Gomez and his team are doing at Thomas Jefferson University around the patient experience, those apps that they had, the MyJeff apps, that take a patient through their experience, whether you've just been diagnosed with a chronic disease or in the um, acute care space around maybe you've you've been diagnosed with cancer or in the, I love the one that was My Jeff baby, where you found out that you're pregnant. Mm -hmm. And trying to weave together all of the different needs of a patient into a seamless experience where it was my understanding from what we looked at and what he presented that patients were able to have one portal into their care everything from where is my appointment to who is my doctor, when is my next appointment, what are my medications, where do I need to go, and then I love the part about the restaurants and the parking and and the very, um, it might seem mundane, but really real things to patients when they're trying to come to a hospital and and find their way around. So the way that they have put out something that to me was visually stunning and really helpful in a very basic way, solving some really basic issues, that was great. So being able to see an actual example of a well-developed system like that is not only inspirational, but I hope all of us took away an opportunity to think about how our organizations need something like that and how can we make it happen, or to the technology partners who are in the room, how do you think about your technology in a way that really is patient-centric and Deliver something like that that you think is just you know, my mom could use that right. if we hold that as a bar of Whether this product is successful or not, you know, could would it would it change your life and make it better? And is it easy enough to use that anybody could pick it up? That's amazing work um, So I really I really liked that as well.
0: No, that's excellent. And you bring up Jeff Coughlin that poor guy, we gave, I gave him five minutes to give us a regulatory brief on each of those huh. topics. So literally, I've never seen anybody do a regulatory brief in five minutes on diet-based care, five minutes on connected health, and five minutes on virtual care. I mean, it, he was put under the grill. That's the only time that I had available. I, you know, we had obviously a lot to accomplish in a very short period of time in one day, and I gave him five minutes, but he hit it. He did, he did a great job. So I'll certainly give, uh, give Jeff props there. And, and yeah, Neil Gomes yeah. from Jefferson Excellent. He has a very good integrated strategy, uh, and I, I completely agree. One of the other big topics we touched on a little bit on a couple of the panels was the unique safety identifier. I think that we're starting to raise that conversation again um, in the industry. Um, you know, what where's government's role? How can government help? What, what can the private sector do? I think we're going to see some more innovations. We really to get to value based care. We need to make sure that we are identifying the right patient at the right time with the right information across an entire continuum across all systems, not just, you know, ones that are coupled together for different reasons or different strategies. I think that's one of the big pieces that I got um, out of as Well. But there's lots of things. So, I mean, for my audience, um, we are going to be publishing a lot of this in the coming weeks and months. So, do stay tuned. Uh, And you're going to see some of Lee's best practices as well uh, published. But... Moving there, Lee, during the summit, you shared your perspective about transitioning from fee for service to value-based care. So what are some of your thoughts there, Um, connecting the old with the new, you know, the old world with the new world, reimbursement strategies, and even if you could weave in some MIPS and QPP stuff, would be great.
1: Yeah, so I think the main point of that is, you know, if I were to distill down that really excellent conversation that we all had, is that we're in the transition from fee-for-service to value-based care Mm -hmm. where most organizations are still living in that fee-for-service environment and have an operational mandate to continue to do business in the way that brings the cash in. The revenue cycle is still dependent on the fee-for-service methodologies, on the way that we're doing billing, and that's where the majority of the patient revenue, which is what we need in order to run our businesses, is coming from. And so it's an interesting thing to say, okay, well, I understand that we're about to have um, the storm of of value-based care coming, and and I get it that we have to focus on outcomes, but how, as an organization, do I start taking those baby steps towards getting a a program, and and how do you shift because if you're still, you know, we we use the analogy of of catching fish right before a storm, and and the fish tend to bite really well when the pressure's dropping and the clouds Mm -hmm. are over. so in fee-for-service, you're still catching fish because that's where, that's where we are right now. How do you decide, oh, it's time to pull bait and go in and do di- business differently? That's a, it's a, I don't think there's gonna be one day that suddenly is the day that we cut over. So recommendations around best practices have to do with understanding your organization and what is it that your organization needs to do in order to make that shift. That answer will be different for every provider group. Um, I work in academic medical centers and I've been in two during the time that we've been doing this shift, and they both approach it very differently because they are in different regions. They are uh, different business methodologies and and priorities. So looking at, so you mentioned QPP and MACRA and MIPS, what does that program impact for your business? Um, For us here at UVA, with MIPS and our faculty-based practice, so our, our physician practice, starting to figure out what are those um, outcomes that they're going to be looking at? Which quality indicators are the ones that we think will be useful in looking at our own business? Which ones align with how we want to treat our patients? Uh, Where is it that we want to put our effort? Are we scoring naturally well in some areas and really not in others? And how do you begin to understand the programs well enough to create your own priorities and where you want to deep dive And I would say another thing that's important is identifying ownership within your own organization. Who's going to be responsible from the operational side, from the clinical side, and from the revenue cycle side to really come together and do these assessments? Because without a clearly defined owner who's looking at the programs and figuring out how they impact your business and where you need to prioritize your efforts, you might not even get started. Um, So as we shift Somebody's gotta start paying attention to the new way, figuring out how it impacts your organization and then putting some ownership around if this is going to be a transition, how do we what's the path and how do we get there?
0: Yeah, no, that's excellent advice. I know, you know, we were talking off air a little bit. That's advice no matter your practice, medical clinic or a large health system or a large hospital or a small hospital. That's this is this that's universal advice for everybody. So Yes. Yeah. Um, but we are at the top of our time here. Um, I know we have a lot more content to get to, but I'll just have to have you back, Lee. That's as simple as that. Thank but, you. <laughs> you're welcome. I've enjoyed this very much. Uh, we, I always enjoy our conversation. So Lee Williams, University of Virginia Health Systems, thank you very much. Uh, great to have you as my guest. And um, again, thank you to everyone for listening and joining us today. Please tune in weekdays at 2.30 p.m. Eastern, 11.30 a.m. Pacific. As always, you can track me on Twitter at HIT Advisor. And use the hashtag thisjustin so we can respond to your comments from the show. In addition, all my content's posted at justinbarnes.com. Many thanks to everyone, and have a terrific week.